And welcome to episode 11 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us once again. Today we have a jam-packed show for you guys. We have NBA, NHL, NFL. We're doing it all on episode 11. But we have to start with the NBA and get caught up with the NBA Finals. So game five they staved off elimination. The Warriors went into Toronto. The Kevin Durant return was everything you'd hope for for about a quarter and four minutes. About 15 minutes of Kevin Durant. He goes down, suffers what appears to be. They haven't officially reported it yet, but by all indications, it's an Achilles tear, which would put him out for over a year. And really, we can talk all about the game. Yes, without Kevin Durant, they wouldn't have won the game. But if he scored 11 points. They won by one point. Toronto went cold, kind of like they did in game two. But really, it, that was an afterthought. The game itself, yes, Klay uh, Thompson, Curry hit shots. Yes, the Warriors got it done, staved off elimination. But really, I don't want to talk about the game because the game comes second. The NBA lost one of its signature players, a player that many have been talking about as, does he have the crown? Two straight finals MVPs. Is he the best player in the NBA? He's going into free agency, signing whatever, every team in the NBA, all 30 teams would empty the entire organization to get Kevin Durant. And this guy goes out with an Achilles tear. Ibaka trying to stay with Durant, knocks it away, and Durant's slipping. Durant goes down, holding his leg. Ibaka goes up. And it's fouled down the other end. And Durant grabbing that right leg. That's what I want to talk about. Warriors, I had, the, yes, I'm not, I can't always be right. I thought the Raptors, with or without KD, would still win. But guess what? It didn't get done. I wasn't as confident about it as I was games three and four. But look, I originally have the Raptors in seven. I think Golden State with the momentum, playing for KD last game at Oracle, that's going to be a tough one for the Raptors to win. So it looks like the original prediction of Raptors in seven looks more likely. But Kevin Durant. Now, there's risk and reward if you're Kevin Durant to come back on that busted calf. And really, you can see it from all sides. From Kevin Durant's point of view, from his manager, Rich Kleiman's point of view, He's a guy, Kevin Durant is a guy who has burner accounts. Kevin Durant hears the narrative that's always being written about him, and he says, okay, so now I can go from having a busted calf to rescuing the Warriors and becoming the second team to come back in an NBA Finals down 3-1. I can come back. I can be the hero. I can win my third championship, third Finals MVP. He'd be the modern-day Willis Reed so that you have to believe that was floating around in the mind of Kevin Durant, but that didn't happen. He comes back. It was clear he had no business playing in that game, and it really was just a stunning sight. It was a stunning sight. You saw that look in his eyes. When a player gets injured, there's a couple ways he deals with it. Either he's slamming the floor, he's grimacing, he's, he, he's in, uh, in pain, but Kevin Durant had to look like he saw a ghost. It gave me goosebumps. He was in shock. And that's how you know it's an Achilles tear. That's how you know it's something that's going to sideline you for the foreseeable future. I saw with Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant against the Warriors. He thought that Clay hit him in the back of the leg. 
and he had this stoic look on his face like, you know it's over. And that's unfortunately the case. And really, to me, it was absolutely ridiculous that he was ever in that game. He should not have been in that game, and he had no no business being in that game. After the game, Bob Myers, let's check out Golden State president Bob Myers, one of the brains behind this Golden State dynasty, he does a very rare thing. He's a president of basketball operations who takes the podium after the NBA Finals, and he was very emotional. Check this out from Bob Myers. Um... Uh, Kevin had a, it's it's an Achilles injury. I don't know uh, the extent of it. He'll have an MRI tomorrow. Um, pri- prior to coming back, he went through four weeks with our medical team, and um, it was thorough, and it was experts and multiple MRIs and multiple doctors. Um, and we felt good about the process. Uh, he was cleared to play tonight. That, that was a collaborative decision. Um, I don't believe there's anybody to blame, but I understand this, this world. And um, if you have to, you can blame me. I, ru- I run our basketball der- operations department. and. <laughs> Um, let me tell you something about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant loves to play basketball, and the people that questioned whether he wanted to get back to this team were wrong. And I'm not here to... He's one of the... He's one of the most misunderstood people. He's a good teammate. He's a good person. It's not fair. And I just want to say I haven't seen bad crying like that since James Vanderbeek in Dawson's Creek, okay? Those were tears of guilt by Bob Myers, and he was trying to save face. He was trying to grasp on to any credibility he had left with Kevin Durant or his camp and maybe an attempt to re-sign him in the summertime or even just to show future players that the Warriors have their players' best interest because you saw it. Those were tears of guilt by Bob Myers. You can save those crocodile tears. I was not buying that by Bob Myers because he goes in there, he says, look, we were told by the training staff that, that it couldn't get worse that it could not get worse, that whatever it was, it was about the calf and that it could not get any worse if it played. Well, if you saw the video, if you're squeamish, look away, but if you saw that video with Kevin Durant, you can see it just totally pops, okay? And why does it pop? It popped because of just how weak that calf muscle was and it just couldn't sustain all that force that Kevin Durant was putting on it and just like that, it popped. And I'm here to tell you that Jalen Rose, give Jalen Rose a lot of credit. He points out that Kevin Durant did not look good in practice. He did not look good 
in practice when they were trying to get him ready for Game 5, but he played regardless. He still played in the game. And check out Jalen Rose. Here's what he had to say. Not a lot of players have this kind of access. Not a lot of reporters will go on a limb like a Jalen Rose does. But here's Jalen Rose here. Well, defensively, because he's a lockdown defender and a range shooter. But I have to also talk to him, or talk about another guy real quick who's dealing with an injury. His name is Kevin DeGrant. And I'm really yeah. familiar with the setup workout that KD had yesterday with the team, Mr. Big Shot and the truth. And I'm going to tell you guys, it didn't go well on any level. Wow. It did not go well on any level. I'm just going to keep it at that. So I went from being a guy that think that he may come back later in the series. Now I got to feel like he might not come back at all. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Uh now, if he's not looking right in practice with no contact, what makes you think in game five, in an elimination game on the road in the NBA Finals, those adrenaline levels are going to skyrocket. And when that's the case and your mind is playing at a level that your body can't sustain, it's no surprise this was going to happen. I mean, the odds of this happen, they didn't think it could get worse. Well, the worst happened. I think the odds of it happened were very high considering the circumstances. And really, one thing I want to say is these team doctors – you have, to, you have to address this situation because it's a conflict of interest. These team doctors, they're hired by the team, and what are they there to do? They're there to keep players healthy. They're there to prevent players from getting injured. But most of all, what are they there to do? They're there to get their injured players back on the court as fast as they can working around the clock to get players like Kevin Durant ready to go. Players like Klay Thompson back on the court. And trust me, that is what they're there to do. And if they can't do that, you best believe that these organizations will replace you. Okay? So if you're working for the Warriors and you're a training staff, you know that the GMs, you know that the brass of the organization is looking at you like, hey, you're our only hope. I want you to massage Kevin Durant's calf 24-7. Whatever it takes, we're looking at you. The championship is in your hands, training staff, and they have every incentive to get that player on the court. And I'm telling you, these team doctors, you're Kevin Durant. You're worth, you're worth millions, hundreds of millions, not millions, hundreds of millions, centimillions, okay? And you need to have your own independent doctors. Don't even bother, other than maybe a, a stretch before a game, a rub down, a little massage uh, of the calf. Other than that, you have your own independent doctors because there's too much money at stake and there's too much on the line. And really, I think that look at Ka Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is a perfect example. He did not trust the San Antonio Spurs training staff with his quad injury. He goes to New York and he completely defies what they had told him and it seems to have worked out for Kawhi Leonard because you have to trust your body and you have to save these players from themselves. Kevin Durant is a player that loves to play. He's a player that loves to hoop and he saw the opportunity here to be a hero and potentially wipe away the narrative that's associated with Kevin Durant, that he leaves OKC to gravy train uh, championships, that he, he's a cupcake, that, that he's, he's very sensitive. This really would have changed everything. If you're Kevin Durant, you come back, you're the hero. A lot of that's wiped away. 
but you have to save the players from themselves. I also place blame on Rich Kleiman. Do not get it twisted. Rich Kleiman, he's a guy, he knows Kevin Durant's body. He knows Kevin Durant had a calf injury in the past, and you just say, look, I don't care. We have a big deal coming up in a couple of, in a week. In a week, you're going to sign with the New York Knicks and save the NBA's, one of the NBA's marquee franchises from complete ineptitude, from complete irrelevance, and now you will not be seen for a year. Now your career will never be the same. I can't state enough. What happened, the course of NBA history changed forever. Not just because of who may or may not win a championship, because championships come and go. Okay, but what we remember most about the NBA is the marquee players and the legends of the game. And I truly believe that the Warriors, Rich Kleiman, Kevin Durant himself, yes, it was a big risk and a big reward, but they cost Kevin Durant a chance to crack into the top 10 players of all time. Kevin Durant was on his way to Mount Rushmore status, and I'm here to tell you he's never going to be the same. I don't care what medical doctors, what advancements occurs. I don't care that he's seven feet tall. They can get his shot over anyone. He's never going to be the same agility-wise. It was the worst possible thing that could have happened to Kevin Durant as far as injuries go, as far as the future of his playing career. Just look what it did to Kobe Bryant. Look what it did to Wes Matthews. Look what it did to your own teammate, Boogie Cousins. Dominique Wilkins, he was a freak. But still, it's just not going to be the same. And Kevin Durant, I would still throw max money at him if I'm an organization. But really, it's just it's it's sad. It's upsetting. If I'm if I'm Adam Silver, I'm absolutely furious at what happened. And just these medical doctors, they need to be. There needs to be more of a transparency. They need to be held accountable because look what they did to IT. Look what they did to Isaiah Thomas with the Celtics. He plays through a hip injury, and what happens? He's never the same. He gets traded to Cleveland. He was going to make $140 million. He famously said they better back up the Brinks truck. Well, it was not a Brinks truck, my man, because he, he missed out on $100 million. They cost... Kevin, uh, Isaiah Thomas, some serious money, and really everyone's at fault here. It was a sad sight, but we'll see what happens. Game six, I'll take the Warriors in that, and then the Raptors to win it all in game five, in game seven, just like we had originally predicted. So now what does Kevin Durant do? It was all a foregone conclusion that he had a New York state of mind that he was going to the Knicks. Now if you're Kevin Durant, I think there's a high chance that he probably stays in Golden State. And Frank Isola, he reported that Golden State's strategy is they were prepared to pitch Kevin Durant on a long-term contract this offseason with the understanding that they would grant him a trade should he wish to leave the team at any point. So apparently Golden State was going to say, hey, look, we'll give you that big deal. We'll lock you up so you'll get your long-term money. We'll even throw in that fifth year. Remember, Bird Wright states that only the team that has you for a year can sign you for an extra year. So Golden State, they have the option and the uh, the leverage to say, hey, we can give you an extra year, so we can give you five years and more money. 
And the idea is if you want to get traded, you know teams will still want to trade for you. If you ever do want to get traded, they're calling it a, an, uh, a trade optionality. I've never even heard that term, but that's what Frank Isola is reporting. Optionality, which to me, it's quite simple. Either you have a no trade clause or you don't, but I've never heard of that. But it, maybe they could have some type of agreement where if Kevin Durant wants to leave, it could be amicable. And I think really, look, if this Warriors team sticks together, especially with Klay Thompson likely signing, Curry's locked up, Draymond Green, he's still in their contract. He can get another deal in a couple years or so. Really, if you're Kevin Durant, this might be the best option. I mean, a 50%, a 70% Kevin Durant is still probably going to get the Warriors more championships. And really, they owe it to him. They owe Kevin Durant whatever he wants. Build him a statue right now outside of the arena because you guys really compromise his future And really, if I'm Kevin Durant, if you stay with the Warriors, you get your money. And really, if your Achilles prevents you from being more mobile, like let's say his Achilles is hurting him and it's not full strength, you send him to New York, they're going to expect 30-plus a night. Being the Kevin Durant, going to the hole, if you stay in Golden State, it can be much easier and he can still have those catch and shooting opportunities. And I could definitely see him stay in Golden State So that's going to do it for Kevin Durant. So now on to some NBA rumors, some NBA free agency news. Kyrie Irving apparently is going to opt out. He's not going to opt into that deal with the Celtics, giving up $21 million, which obviously was the case. That was 100% going to happen. And I think it's funny, Boston, local Boston sporting goods places, they have Kyrie Irving Boston jerseys at 50% off. So if you want that Boston Kyrie jersey number 11, you're going to be able to get it for like $11 pretty soon because that price is dipping and it appears that the Celtics fans don't think that Boston is going to retain or be able to re-sign Kyrie Irving. But the next topic is about the brow. So we talked about it a couple days ago. Is the brow going to bolt the bayou? Yes, that's going to happen. We know that. But today's news surrounds the fact that, one, Lakers seem to be the prohibitive favorite. They're now a minus 500 to trade for Anthony Davis. Apparently, the Pelicans are open to adding a third team to the deal, which may make it easier. I know Lonzo Ball doesn't have a no-trade clause, but you know a team is not going to want to get him if he doesn't want to be there because of the distractions with LeVar Ball. So the Chicago Bulls have been interested in Lonzo Ball. So maybe that third team will get Lonzo. But it appears that Laker fans, you might get what you want and what you've wanted for months and years now, really, in getting Anthony Davis. But today, really the news is about his agent, Rich Paul. So you know, of course, Rich Paul, that's LeBron James's high school friend, his childhood friend, who also runs his agency, Clutch Sports. He's Anthony Davis's agent, agent, and he was really dropping bombs today. He came out today, and he insisted that his plan was never to go public with an Anthony Davis trade rumor. He wasn't going to go public with the Anthony Davis trade request in late January uh, in an article in a story to Sports Illustrated. Rich Paul said, it was necessary to go public, Paul said. When I told you, here's our intentions, and you say, hey, let me talk to ownership, 
and instead you talking to ownership, you call Anthony Davis, that's called being ignored. That's a no-no, Paul said. Every GM knows that. So apparently Rich Paul was ticked off that Dale Dems, that Dell Dems didn't go to Benson, didn't go to the Pelicans' ownership to request that trade. He instead went to Anthony Davis to feel it out. And I'm telling you, this is absolutely ludicrous, Rich Paul. I know you think just because you run clutch sports, just because, look, you don't know LeBron James, you don't have the job that you have today, and I know it's not what you know, it's who you know, and I know that's worked out. You're definitely a good agent. I'm not taking that away from you. But, Rich Paul, what were you thinking? Did you actually think that Dell Demps wasn't going to do that? Did you think that he wasn't going to contact Anthony Davis to see what his feelings were, where he stood, if he really wanted to be traded? Because, really, that's what the ownership group is going to tell him. They're going to say, hey, what is the deal? Have you talked to Anthony Davis? Can you imagine if Dell Demps got that trade request by Rich Paul and went right to ownership and said, hey, Anthony Davis, the best player in franchise history, wants to be traded preferably to the Lakers. What's their response going to be? Well, did you talk to Anthony Davis? If he says no, he should be fired on the spot because that's what GMs do. GMs understand the dynamic that players have with their agent. And yes, the odds of Rich Paul and Anthony Davis being on the same page and being all hands on deck on trying to get out of that situation are probably high, but still, you got to do your diligence, and you have to really see what they were thinking there. So Rich Paul, this guy needs to calm down. This guy is so power-hungry that everyone accommodates him because of his relationship with LeBron James, and really, he's taking it too far. This whole this whole agent player mobility dynamic that we're in, this era where players can decide where they want to play, then look, if you want to decide where you want to play, do what Kevin Durant did. Be good enough where you can sign one plus one deals and really you're betting on yourself and you're not getting that long-term security. So if you want to do that, do that. But if you're under contract, then you have to honor that. And Anthony Davis, it's really turned into a circus today the same piece said that you know teams can trade for them, that Boston can trade for Anthony Davis, but he won't sign in Boston, that he's not going to re-sign with anyone, and he will enter free agency. So they're scaring teams off, and Rich Paul, he's doing whatever he wants. I mean, he's a guy who – he's the guy who offered ESPN a sit-down about the Anthony Davis trade situation. Do not get it twisted. Rich Paul knows exactly what he's doing. And he's denying all this stuff. And really, I'm telling you, that's just absolutely ludicrous. At some point, he's a guy who is going to tell you the Mar- that the moon is Mars and things like that and just expect you to believe it because he's Rich Paul, LeBron James' bro that from, from high school and that he runs clutch sports. But look, you're going to burn your bridges around the league. And at some point... I don't know how because you do have a nice crop. You have a nice stable of elite talent that you represent. But he's really starting to abuse his power, Rich Paul. And today we're going to finish up with the NHL and talk about Lord Stanley's Cup because the Stanley Cup playoffs, they come to an end. The finale is tonight, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Back in Boston, St. Louis Blues, they try to get their franchise's first Stanley Cup against the Boston Bruins. 
And these two cities, they really have a history when it comes to Game 7. This is the fifth time these teams, these cities, will compete in a Game 7. The first one was all the way back in 1957 where the St. Louis Hawks were defeated by the Boston Celtics in the Boston Garden. Those same teams played in another Game 7 in 1960. Shout out to the St. Louis Hawks. The St. Louis Cardinals defeated the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park in the 1967 World Series and at Sportsman's Park in St. Louis in the 1946 World Series. And of course, the Patriots beat the St. Louis Rams in the Super Bowl. So when it comes to championships, these cities have a history. And this will be the 17th game seven in the Stanley Cup Finals and the 20th game seven for the Bruins since entering the NHL in 1924, and they have played in the most Game 7s in NHL history. Also, they have a winning record. Boston is 15-12 and 12 in its previous 27 Game 7s, which is the most in NHL history. So as far as NHL Game 7s are concerned, Boston has a lot going for it, especially because the game is in Boston, and Boston is 14-8 and eight at home in Game 7. So... They're also trying to become the ninth team to win a championship after trailing 3-2. So they were trailing 3-2, and St. Louis didn't close out. They lost the last one 5-1. And really, I'm rooting for St. Louis. I always root for the team and the city and the market that has never won a championship. And in this case, St. Louis is starving for a Stanley Cup. And since entering the NHL in 1967... This is their 18th Game 7, surpassing the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals for the most among the non-original six teams. And this is their 11th Game 7 on the road. Only the Maple Leafs and Canadians have played more. And the Blues are 9-8 in Game 7s, 4-6 against visitors. And they are they have the biggest Stanley Cup drought in the NHL. So you got to be rooting for the St. Louis Blues tonight, especially because Boston has won so many championships. I hate to even talk about it. The Celtics, the Patriots, the Red Sox. Does Boston really need another championship? But it should be a good one. As far as the game itself, you need players to get hot. Ryan O'Reilly, he's been surging for the Blues. Four goals and three assists during the last five games. And Boston... They need to find a way to stop him. And the Bruins, they really have to find a way to turn the page with that third quarter because the Bruins started to get really hot on that in that third quarter. Blues need to find a way to combat that because the third period, game six, four goals. David Pasmek and Brad Marchand record, recorded one goal and one assist apiece in the contest. And really look for the power play to be big tonight. The power play is where... This game could be decided because the power play, St. Louis, they've gone ice cold. St. Louis, they are 1-18 in in power plays. The Blues generated 12 shots with a man advantage in game six, but they went 0-4. So Boston, they're even lower. Uh, Boston scored... Boston has scored seven power play goals on 23 opportunities in the series. So they've created more opportunities... And look for the Blues to be physical. The Blues, that's how they got here is their physicality. They're just knocking dudes into the glass. 
and they have a league-leading 783 hits this postseason. So you know it's Game 7. They want that Stanley Cup. They're going to add some hits to that already playoff-leading, league-leading hits count that they've racked up. So the Bruins... They've just you got to stop. So the the whole thing today is going to come down to the power play. Can the Blues get something on power plays? Can the Bruins be stopped on power plays? Because the Bruins, they're a league best thirty two point nine percent success rate in the postseason in power plays. So they get that man advantage and they put it in the back of the net. So watch out for that. My prediction: I want to go Boston, but I can't pick Boston. Okay. So I'm going to root hard for the St. Louis Blues. Come on, Blues. Get your first Stanley Cup championship. Do it tonight. It'll be glorious. Game seven on the road. So check out for that. And say what you want about hockey. I think hockey is exciting. It's fun. It's definitely one of the best sports to attend live. And it definitely has the best trophy. There's no doubt about that. And I want to close the show today by running down a lot of the history. Get to, I want you guys to get to know Lord Stanley's trophy. I want you guys to get to know the cup, and I'll tell you guys all about it. So who is Stanley? What is his cup? So the Stanley Cup is named after Lord Stanley of Preston, the 1982 Governor General of Canada. He purchased a decorative cup in London for $50, and he donated the cup to award Canada's top amateur hockey club, Back in nine, back in 1889, so it stems all the way back to 1889, and it's really just a great look. The Stanley Cup is so legendary; it's iconic, and they've not always been perfect. I think it's kind of hilarious that if you look closely, there are some blunders. Back in 1981, they misspelled New York Islanders. It spells the New York. Island Handers, and then 1971 and 1972, they misspelled the Boston Bruins, and they named it the Boskin Oskin, B-Q-S-T-Q-Q-Q-N-N Bruins. So it was the Bequaston Bruins. Most errors are left on as they are, so it's it's really hilarious because it's to be too costly to fix. You don't want to compromise that. And there has been some, there has been one correction. The one correction was back in 1996, when the Colorado Avalanche's Adam Deadmarsh's name was spelled Adam Dead March. So it said Adam Dead March originally, and they changed it to Adam uh, Dead March. So it should have been Dead Marsh. Also, it's had four engravers, only four engravers in its 96 year history. So only four people have touched that cup as far as engraving goes. And then also, some people make the multiple appearances, the most appearances ever are by Maurice Rocket Richard. He's the Canadian great, and he's been on the Cup 11 times as a player. And then Scotty Bowman, he's been on the Cup 9 times. So 24 victories, the Canadians, they've taken home the Stanley Cup more than any NHL team. Even though their last win was all the way back in 1993, Canadians, they've had the Cup the most times. The Stanley Cup, too, there's some. There's not only for men. You got some women on there. There's 12 women that have their names inscribed on the cup. The first was Marguerite Norris, who was the president of the Detroit Red Wings for their 1954-1955 season. Some people are superstitious about the cup, okay? Various players are wary 
of the cup if they haven't won it yet, and they steer clear of it. So you know you don't touch the cup unless you win it. That's what makes it so special. In fact, some people don't even touch the conference championship cups even if they've won it before winning it. So another one of my favorite things, the cup has its own chaperone. So the cup is always accompanied by at least one representative of the Hockey Hall of Fame, dubbed the keeper of the cup. The current keeper, Philip Pritchard, has held the position since 1991, and he even has a Twitter account. So follow him on Twitter, and he gives you an update on the cup. I check it out. It's really good. Definitely hit that follow button for my man, uh, Philip Pritchard. The cup also belongs to the players for one day. A lot of you guys know that. Every NHL player that wins the Stanley Cup, they get to keep it for a day. And back in 1995, New Jersey Devils, they are the guys who really started that tradition. So it's really not that new. But since 2003, the Hall of Fame has been keeping journals of the Cubs' travels with it. So there's actually a journal that journals where the cup goes on a day. Two babies have even been baptized in the cup. Colorado Avalanche's defenseman, he used it for a baptism. Then also in uh, 2008, Detroit Red Winger Thomas Holmstrom, he used it for a baptism. But there's all kinds of crazy stuff. The cup, it also, some people think it has the curse. There's a curse. When Mark Messier in the Rangers... They won in 1994. They truly believe that it ended a record 54-year championship drought for the Broadway Blue Shirts. The Rangers had it won, and they believe that the curse might have been brought on because the Rangers disrespected the Cup all the way back in 1940. So as the story goes, the mortgage on the Rangers' home rink, at the time, it was the third incarnation of the Madison Square Garden. Once they had paid that off, to celebrate the management of the team, they symbolically burned the mortgage documents in the bowl of the Stanley Cup, then left winger Lynn Patrick and his teammates allegedly urinated in the Cup's bowl to bizarrely celebrate their victory. So that looks like it could be some type of curse. It's gone swimming. Of course, you've seen it in pools. Patrick Wall, he put it in his pool on a floaty. And really, the Stanley Cup, you have to admit, it's a great trophy. Watch it tonight. I'm going with the Blues. I'll give you a score. I think the Blues win tonight 4-3. I think the St. Louis Blues, they get it done. They win their first Stanley Cup championship in franchise history. But that's going to do it for Episode 11 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us once again. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. Don't forget to find me on Twitter. You can find me at dmac underscore la hit that follow button be ready for a jam-packed show friday friday we could have the end of the nba finals anthony davis could be a laker by then so we got a big show for you guys friday but thanks for hanging out thanks for rocking with us have a great rest of your day and i'm out